Hey everyone, if you want to open up your Bible to Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38, that's where we'll be at this morning as we explore the story of Mary and Martha. Um, listen, while you're turning there, uh, I, I gotta tell you, I'm a sucker for a feel-good movie. Uh, I watched Christopher Robin recently, uh, a movie kind of essentially it's like a live-action remake of Winnie the Pooh and the story around Christopher Robin, and it has Ewan McGregor in it, and I gotta tell you, I loved every bit of it. Okay, I like a feel-good movie. It got me right in the feels. And at one point, Winnie the Pooh and Christopher Robin are talking together. And Winnie says something that at first seems so obvious, but in reality is the exact opposite. Winnie says, when I'm with you, I'm with you. Like, when you hear it, you're like, oh, well, that... I mean, yes, when, when you're with somebody, you're, you're with somebody. But the, the whole point of it is that Christopher Robin is distracted. He's become an adult. He's lost sense of what it means to cultivate presence and attention. And what Winnie says is just kind of obviously true, has not become obviously true in Christopher Robin's life. He is constantly frenetic, constantly busying himself, constantly distracted. Winnie says later on, he says, I often find that doing nothing leads to the very best something. I often find that doing nothing leads to the very best something. Listen, in many ways, this has been what we've attempted to invite you into this fall. We've attempted to invite you into what it means to cultivate presence and attention. What it means to give ourselves over to not just doing, but, but being. And we did this because we felt like there was something toxic growing in the soil of our community. And it was spreading into the soil of our church. We felt that digital fatigue was being compounded with cultural spirits of division and animosity and hate, and that this was resulting in spiritual apathy. This is what I have seen over the course of the last three, four, five months has been that there is a people, and many of us are among them, who are so connected, so turned on, so frenetic with nervous energy, and that that was being mirrored by our culture. And that for many, it was resulting in a grave degree of spiritual inattentiveness and spiritual distraction and spiritual apathy. So we wanted to spend some time this fall doing something that was counterintuitive, encouraging you to slow down, encouraging you to embrace Sabbath rest, prayerfulness, and looking to and listening from God. So in September, we looked at Sabbath rest. In October, we looked at prayer. And now in November, we are going to look at what it means to listen to God, to hear God's word. And as I was meditating on uh, really where we should spend our time this month, and as I was speaking to the Father, asking him, what do you really have for the people of Mosaic? My attention was drawn again and again to a passage the Lord has used over the last three years of my life to shape me and form me. And that is the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. And so I'm going to read Luke 10, 38 through 42. And I want us to see just a couple of things that I believe the Lord has for us as we go into November together. Let me read Luke 10, 38 through 42. And after I've done that, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And there's an invitation for you to give thanks, to say, thanks be to God. Why? Because his people haven't been left in silence. God has spoken. So let me read Luke 10, 38 for us. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, 
Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the story here is fascinating. And listen, there are so many details here, and I want to just explore it with you. So Jesus is walking with his disciples. They enter a village, and there's a woman in that village named Martha. She welcomes Jesus and the disciples into her home. Now, why would Martha do this? Well, you could say that Martha was just hospitable. You could say Martha was just kind. But keep in mind that at this point, Jesus has been established in this region as a significant teacher. So to invite a significant teacher into your home would have been a mark of honor. It would have been a demonstration of hospitality to the teacher, certainly. But for him to receive that would have been a mark of honor on Martha and her home. And that mark of honor would have been accompanied by some responsibility, right? Now now that Jesus has entered into her home, Martha feels some level of expectation to deliver on a really kind and generous environment for Jesus and the disciples. So Jesus comes into her home and we hear in the next verse that Martha has a sister and her sister's name is Mary. And it says about Mary that Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now, so you got Martha, whose home we're in, and Martha is now busy about serving. Mary, though, Martha's sister, is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And that could just kind of seem, it seems like maybe just a unnecessary description. Maybe it's just communicating that Mary was very attentive, and certainly she was. But that phrase, sit at the Lord's feet, that phrase is a rabbinic description of a disciple. Okay? A disciple is one who would sit at the feet of their teacher or sit at the feet of their master. And so when Luke, who is very well aware of rabbinic tradition, of, uh, of what it meant to follow a teacher, to be a disciple, when Luke says that Mary sat at the Lord's feet, he's immediately putting her into a group of disciples. He's immediately including her in a place that society and culture would have excluded her from. You see, because women in this culture at this time could not be the disciples of religious teachers and rabbis. They couldn't follow. And yet Jesus, all throughout the Gospels, and in particular the Gospel of Luke, is empowering those who had been excluded and left to the margins. And so even now we see that Jesus is inviting Mary to sit at his feet. And it says, and she listened to his teaching. You see, she's sitting at his feet, but she's not distracted. She's paying attention. She's giving her full focus to Jesus, to the teacher who is in the home of her sister. This would literally read, not listening to his teaching, but hearing his words. So in this home, Jesus is entered in and Mary is taking advantage of the opportunity. We have the Lord here. We have this incredible teacher here. We have Jesus the Christ here in our home. So what does she do? She sits at his feet. And she listens to his words. But in the background, there are kind of pots clanging and things are moving around and there's a lot of nervous energy. It's not Mary, it's not Jesus that's bringing that nervous energy into the home. It's Martha. It's Martha. She's the host. And what is she doing? She's rushing around the house. She's trying to make sure everything is just right. It says that she was distracted with much serving. See, Martha has 
invited Jesus into her home, and now she feels this responsibility to deliver, right? Jesus, this incredible teacher, this incredible master is in her home. So what's she going to do? She's got to make sure that she is at her top level. She's batting a thousand. She's at the top of her game. She is doing everything that an incredible host would do. She's distracted with much serving. And what happens? Well, it says that she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. You've probably been in a place like Martha before where you feel like everything that needed to get done was falling on your shoulders, right? Many women feel this, particularly during this pandemic. There's been an escalation of work responsibilities and domestic responsibilities. And with Martha here, we get kind of a brief picture of what that kind of feels like because Martha goes up to Jesus and says, Lord, do you not care? Do you not care that I have been left to serve alone? My sister's just left me. She's just sitting here with you. You see, Martha is frustrated. She's frustrated because she feels alone, because she feels frustrated, because she feels tired. I'm sure she feels unappreciated. She's doing everything necessary to host in this situation. And what does she say to the Lord? How does it begin? Lord, do you not care? You see, oftentimes when we're in seasons, when things are incredibly panicked, when things seem incredibly busy, everything feels like it is high stakes and high urgency, we often are afraid to ask the Lord, to be as honest as Martha is with the Lord, and to say, Lord, do you not care? Because we begin to feel these things, and bitterness and anger and entitlement sets in, because the gap between all that we are doing And the joy of life is growing and growing and growing. Martha is not enjoying being near the Lord. I mean, she's just not. The Lord is in her home. Jesus, this great teacher and this great rabbi who has done many miracles, who Martha is honored to have in her home. She's not enjoying this experience at all. Why? Because she is desperate to impress him. She is desperate to deliver on society's expectations of a host. She just feels totally pressurized here. And how does Jesus respond? What's he say? Martha, Martha. I love that. I mean, just right out of the gate, Jesus saying her name twice, a sign of affection. Martha, Martha. He says, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. You see, Jesus puts his finger on what's going on beneath the surface. Yes, Martha is busy with the affairs of the home, but underneath that is a deeper thing. It's a deeper unrest. It's a deeper hurriedness. You see, what we see here is this, that Martha's anxious spirit is resulting in anxious activity, which is doing what? It's making her more anxious, more troubled, more frustrated. You see, Jesus puts his finger on what's going on underneath it. Martha is not just anxious and troubled about the affairs of the home. She's anxious and troubled about many things. And from these unspoken assumptions, from these unspoken anxieties, from these unspoken fears, do you know what is growing as the fruit from that vine? Trouble and anxiety, busyness, and hurriedness. 
Jesus then points to her the good way. He says, Mary has chosen the good portion. What portion has Mary chosen? Mary has chosen to be with God. Mary has chosen to give her attention to God. Mary has chosen to listen to the word of God. You see, I think that one of the things that is very hard for us to believe is that God is far more concerned with being with us than working through us. God is more concerned with being with us than working through us. You see, the great invitation of Christ is not to live an extraordinary life for him, but to learn to live an ordinary life with him. The great invitation of Christ is not to learn to live an extraordinary life for him, that our life is really about what we do for him or how we impress him, but to learn to live our ordinary life with him, to be with him, to be with God, to give our intention to him. You see, God is inviting Mary and Martha to learn the simple joy of being with God and hearing his voice. To be in his presence. Martha is anxious and troubled. Martha is one who is frenetic. She has nervous energy bubbling out. Her life is hurried and at uh, total breakneck speed. And when Jesus comes in, she's far more concerned with impressing him or with honoring society's expectations of her in that scenario than merely being with him. And I have to tell you, I think this is 100% a word for us in our cultural moment. Because listening to God requires us to slow down to be with him. And whether a man or a woman in our culture today, our society is intent on you doing two things. One, on you being impressive, and two, on you being exhausted. It is. It's absolutely determined. And it, 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 it jives with the two idols in our hearts already, control and comfort. And so there is this very cultural groove and rhythm that for you to matter in life, you have to be impressive. And that to be impressive means that you got to grind constantly. A hustle culture that says to you that really, if you're not hustling, you're not living. Because if you're not hustling, you will not be able to realize the standard of living that will make you seem worthwhile in our world and impressive to those around you. You see, Martha invited Jesus into her home, but she wasn't yet prepared to sit in the presence of Jesus. She was concerned about being impressive to Jesus, and she was concerned about honoring all of the culture's expectations on what she would do in that scenario. I mean, culturally speaking, Martha is doing the exact right thing in this story. Like, her neighbors, if her neighbors had just seen her sitting with Jesus as Mary was doing, they would have looked down upon her. They would have said, how could they, how could they have invited that rabbi into their home? How could they have invited this great teacher into their home and not prepared for him adequately? not taking care of him sufficiently. There is a pressure that many of us have just willingly resigned ourselves to living into, and it's this. 
in our community that we live in and in the suburbs of North Texas, there are all these little cultural idols, all these things about what you should do, what you should do for your kids, how you should do it, what they should be able to receive, how they should be able to receive it, why your life should matter, why it shouldn't matter. All of these things have cushioned us and insulated us. And at first glance, they seem to be just normal and maybe even healthy because they're so prevalent. But the reality is, is that we've absorbed so much of that that we have lost sight of what it means to simply be with God. And for that to be the first thing, the good portion, the main thing, you see, to live an ordinary life with God requires us to slow down in order to be with Him. It requires us to say no to some of our society and culture's expectations of us as men, as women, as sons and daughters, as brothers and sisters, as husbands and wives, as moms and dads, there are all of these culturally imposed ideas of what that's supposed to look like. And we are just suffering, exhausted under the burden of them, conforming to the idols of our heart. And God is inviting us to choose the better portion. And by choosing this portion, we will stand out, not just in our home, but in our neighborhoods. And there is an invitation here. That's what Jesus extends to Martha. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, and it will not be taken away from her. See, here's the invitation. The invitation is to live like Mary. The invitation is to choose the good portion, to live with God, to realize what Mary realized and what Winnie the Pooh realized with Christopher Robin. When I'm with God, nothing is better than being with God. That when I'm with him, nothing can take that away. That when I'm with him, I will be with the best. I will be with the good. I will be with someone who will never remove his presence from me no matter what I do. It's to look to Jesus and say, when I'm with you, I'm with you. But how can we be with God? And I want to answer this on two stages. One, I want to answer this on the kind of stage between our sin and our salvation. And then I want to answer it practically. You see, we have a problem because we can't be with God on our own, right? We can't just be in his presence. We need a way into the presence of God. And in this story, we get a brief picture of that. That the way to be with God is to learn to live with Jesus. The way to be with God is to learn to live with Jesus. You see, scripture is clear that we are invited into fellowship with God by grace through faith in Jesus. We're born separated from God by sin, and Christ has made a way for us to enter into fellowship with God. He, 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 he comes to our town, our village, so to speak, and we invite him into our home. And that by being near to Christ, we are now near to God. Hebrews 10 says that we have been given confidence to enter the holy places with God by the new and living way that has been opened up in Christ Jesus. You see, we are able to live with God because we learn to live in Jesus. He invites us into God's presence. But it's not just the work of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Because it is the Spirit of God who wakes us up to life with God. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us a desire to be with God, to, to live our life in His presence. That's why 
when we think about what it means to pursue the Lord, we are immediately on the terrain of dependency on the necessary work of the Holy Spirit because it is only the Holy Spirit who can give us a desire to be with God. It is the Holy Spirit who is operative in Mary's life as Mary sits attentive, listening to the voice of Jesus with all the nervous energy of her sister behind her. Mary sits with Jesus because the Spirit gives her a desire to do so. So we're able to be with God at a salvation level because of what Christ has done and the work of the Holy Spirit. But practically, we cultivate attention and presence with God by stepping into some of the rhythms we've talked about this fall. Sabbath rest, pausing to rest, reflect, and remember who God is and what he has done. Prayer, speaking to God and hearing from him and God's word looking and listening to what God has said and done, what he's doing and saying. And, and this November, I want to encourage you to consider what would it be like to sit like Mary at Jesus' feet and listen to his words. Have you learned how to just listen to the word of God? Have you learned how to read it, to know it? One of the fruits of the Spirit's work in our life is a desire to hear from God. One of the fruits in a Christian life is an attentiveness to the word of God. We see it as a testimony in Mary's life to listen to God's word, predominantly in the Bible. If the Son of God was the word incarnate, the Bible is the word in Scripture rated. And it is living and active is what Hebrews says. You see, the Bible is not just what God has said. It's what God is saying. It is the very breath of God. It is inspired by God, and it never returns empty. For us to sit like Mary with Jesus will mean that we sit with our Bibles open, with a prayerful heart, asking God the Spirit, open up my eyes and my ears and my heart to what you've said. You see, God's word forms us like running water over rocks. It shapes us into people like Mary, people who become marked by God's presence. When we think about reading God's word, you can think about it like meditation and memorization. You know, meditation and memorization is one of the ways that we sit with the Bible. It's where we take one verse or one passage and we read it and we read it and we read it, it's almost like marinating steak or chicken, that that's what memorization and meditation is. It's letting yourself soak in something that is good. It is letting yourself sit for a long period of time in something that is true and rich and beautiful. That's one of the roles of meditation and memorization is that it begins to form us. It begins to shape us. It begins to bubble up into our hearts, into the core of who we are. You know, I'm constantly amazed with myself because I often think about memorization as a difficult thing. And memorization for many of us seems to be a trying and difficult thing. But I got to tell you, I have no problem memorizing the words to a song that I like. Why? Because I listen to it over and over and over again. With God's word, the very breath and speech of God, what would it look like for you in November to take one of the verses out of the guide and to say, you know what? I'm gonna set my mind on this verse. I'm gonna memorize this. I'm gonna meditate on this. Our family is gonna do this together. Why? So that we can hear God's word, so that we can learn to listen to God's voice, so that our hearts will be slowed down in light of being in his presence. 
That's memorization and meditation. Reading God's word. This is, uh, this is the daily Bible reading. This is the daily Bible reading. We use CBR journal, journals at Mosaic. You can use any Bible reading plan you want, but what would it look like for you to engage in daily Bible reading? Maybe for you, it's five verses, or maybe you say it's five minutes. But that daily Bible reading, do you know what that is? It's coming to sit at the feet of Jesus, and it's saying, God, would you shape my life? Would you change me? If you're looking for a place to start, you could use the guide that we've mailed out or that we've posted online. There's scripture in there. You could start there. Maybe you haven't read the Bible in months. Maybe it's been weeks. Maybe it's been years that you've sat down and just read God's word and listened to it. Do you know what I do when I'm doing my, my, my Bible reading? I'll read it out loud. I'll read it out loud so that it keeps my attention. And I'll read it fast one time, like just normal cadence. Then I'll slow down and I'll read it very slow. And then I'll try to really slow down and emphasize it. And between each reading, I'll pray a simple prayer. God, would you speak to me through your word? I'm just trying to be like Mary, trying to have my attention directed to the Lord Jesus. So reading, study, Bible study. This is like digging a well. If Bible reading is running water over rocks, then Bible study is digging a well. It's saying, I know there's something good here. I want to dig into this passage. I want to explore this story. Maybe you do that with Mary and Martha. Having heard the sermon today, you study it for the rest of the week and you really work through the passage and what's it saying, what came before it, and what comes after it. Maybe you say, you know what, in the spring, when the next Mosaic Bible study rolls around, I'm going to jump into that because I don't know how to study the Bible. And then lastly, preaching. The importance of preparing to hear and then reflecting on sermons. What does it mean to listen to God's word? In February, we're going to be jumping into the book of Romans. What would it look like for you to approach the sermons that you'll hear from one of the most potent and powerful letters that has ever been written? What would it be like for you to prepare yourself, for you to spend time reflecting on it after you've heard it? What would it look like for you to begin to engage more attentively with the preached word of God? Preparing, asking God, God, would you speak to my heart through the sermon before you even hear it? And afterwards, spending time to reflect on it, to talk about it, to talk about the truth of God's word and what the pastors have said, how they've taken it and prayerfully tried to apply it to your heart. You see, the story of Mary and Martha is pointing out something that's crucial for us, which is that we are invited, even in the face of society's expectations of us living an impressive and exhausted life, even with the cultural idols that we fill in our heart of control and comfort, and even with the religious impulse that we feel that our life must be constantly impressive to God. The invitation of the story of Mary and Martha is this. When God draws near in Christ, the fundamental thing that he wants is to be with you, for you to give him your attention, for you to listen to his words. You know, Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I've heard it said elsewhere, a glass can only spill what it contains. I wonder what's spilling out of your life. I wonder what's coming out of your mouth. In, in, in a day right now, in a moment, going into a week, where there was going to be all kinds of filth from all kinds of mouths, I wonder what it would look like for us to be people who, when we speak, our words are seasoned with the presence of God. Our words are seasoned with the power of the Spirit because our words are marked by the words of Scripture. 
I don't know if you've ever read any of the early church fathers, like Augustine, but if you read Augustine, particularly his landmark work, Confessions, he's telling his story. But there are times when he will be quoting scripture and he won't even directly quote it. It just comes bubbling up out of him. And it's hard because you're like, well, I feel like I've heard this before. And it's Augustine just saying scripture as if it's just flowing naturally out of him. What would it be like to be that kind of person who is so often with Jesus in his word and in prayer that when we speak, scripture just bubbles out of us. Truth and goodness and beauty emerge, not because we're so wise, but because we have sat with the words of wisdom. Charles Spurgeon once said of John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, he said, if you cut John Bunyan, he bleeds scripture. That it just flows out of him. I wonder what you would find come out of me if you turned my life upside down and shook me. Have we learned to be with God? Are we marked by his presence? I have felt that many of us are rushing around the house like Martha, busy with nervous energy, growing anxious, frustrated, and entitled, looking up at God and saying, do you not see all that I'm doing? Do you, do you, do you not care? Do you not see all that I have going on? I mean, work is crazy. The kids are crazy. This distance school thing is crazy. I feel like the bills are mounting up. The economy is tenuous. I, every time I go to social media, it feels like everybody is on fire, and so am I. And I feel this burden to constantly project to the world that don't worry, guys, everything is fine with me. Everything is good. Everything is okay. And that even in the moments of my heartache, I've forgotten how to even bring it to God. I've forgotten what it means to even come to him and say, Lord, do you not care? And God is inviting us. God is inviting us to come to him and to ask him, Lord, do you not care? And do you know what we will be met with? We will be met with the voice of Jesus saying to us, daughter, daughter. Son, son, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Come and be with me. You know, I'm amazed right now. If I can be honest with you, I'm struck. And I'm struck by it in my own heart because I see it in my own heart as well. In a time, in a culture, in which it feels like no one is willing to invite us in to a place of grace, not even ourselves. That God is doing so always, and we are so hesitant to enter in. Doesn't it feel like there is no one anywhere telling us that we can merely come and be with him as we are? Where, where do you find that? Only with Jesus. And I'm blown away how often I will be busy doing everything else to impress him. And he's saying, why are you anxious and troubled about all these things? Come and sit with me. I wonder what we would do if we heard the invitation of Jesus today to choose the good portion. That is what Jesus is inviting us into, to come and to be with him. Let's join him, sitting at his feet, 
listening to his teaching. Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace and mercy. We ask God that we would be people marked by your presence. We ask God that you would give us the faith of Mary, that you would calm the hearts of Martha, and God, that you would bring peace to us as we listen to you, as we speak to you, and as we rest with God in Jesus. We pray these things in the name of Christ and by the power of the Spirit. Amen.